0: What's going on, everyone, and welcome to Playmakers. I'm your host, Haley Elwood, and it may be the offseason, but we're now in the month of March, which is Women's History Month. So to commemorate, we're having some very special guests on the pod all month long, starting with Jane Skinner Goodell. Jane is a former news anchor, but is also the wife to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. She's done a lot for highlighting women's roles in the league, and just last year was the executive producer of the documentary A Lifetime of Sundays, which focuses on the four female owners in the NFL. most recently at the nfl scouting combine participating in the fourth annual women's careers in football forum with women's viewership of nfl games up from 2018 to 2019 jane is the perfect person to dissect why more women are tuning in since her finger is on the pulse of all things nfl so now let's welcome in jane skinner goodell all right let's say hello to jane skinner goodell jane thank you so much for joining me how are you today
1: great Haley thank you so much for having me um just so your listeners know I was just saying off air to Haley that she kind of has my dream job so <laughs> I'm a little jealous but I'm, I'm so, so happy for so, you. I'm so, so. honored <laughs> to hear
0: that I can I'll retire now you can take over okay good great we can do it together How about perfect God, that's team. great let's tag team this every week that sounds awesome <laughs> So, Jane, it's Women's History Month, and at the beginning of March, the NFL announced that women make up 47% of the league's fan base. So, ultimately, how special is it knowing that NFL female fandom reached an all-time high in 2019?
1: Well, it's funny. When I saw those numbers, I mean, you were probably not surprised either yeah. <laughs> you spend your life around tailgates and Stadiums and people's living rooms and sports bars. And I just feel like I'm so happy that the numbers finally show what the trend I feel like has been for so long. Um, I grew up going to Soldier Field in Chicago as a kid with old, my older brothers and my dad. Um, we had season tickets starting in 1972. So you can imagine what a stadium yeah. was like as a, you know 8- and 10-year-old girl. I was like an anomaly. And it's just been so much fun to watch it over the years, just how the base of fans has changed. And I actually really think um, what people are starting to recognize now is that, you know, there's that old stereotype kind of of, oh, she goes along because her boyfriend or her husband likes it or he takes her gives her the extra ticket if he has one or something like that. I think that's really significantly changed, um, even if that ever was true. Um but now, really, women are, are – I think people are understanding they are really, really intense, true, passionate fans who understand the game um, and are going on their own oftentimes with their girlfriends or daughters. Um, Roger and I have twin girls, mm-hmm. and um, though I'm a Bears fan, uh, growing up at Bears fan, they, we somehow have a Seahawks, crazy Seahawks fan and a crazy <laughs> Vikings fan. So when those two teams played each other this past season – we were, our section in the stands, we were with them, and okay. I turned to Roger and said, can you just look around for just one moment? And, <laughs> and behind us, it was a Monday night game, and behind us was a group of five women who were there on, like, girls' night out at, at CenturyLink, which I loved. In front of us was a woman who was, I think, probably a grandmother who was there with some family members. There were little girls. There were dads and girls, moms and girls, sons too, but, but yeah. the majority of our section was female. And I just turned to him and I said, just like take just take this in for a second. And he looked at me and he had this funny smile. And he said, you think I don't know this? I live with this. I live with <laughs> yeah, the three of you. And he's true. like, I see this all the time. This does not surprise me that this, you know, that, in, that our section would be majority female. So it's so much fun to be part of. And I was... You know, not surprised when those numbers of 47% mm-hmm. um, of NFL fans are female came out, but I was very happy that that was the headline.
0: So to kind of tag off on another number, female viewership was up 5% from 2018 to 2019. But is that mm-hmm. surprising to you at all?
1: Um, I don't think so. I mean, to me, it says, first of all, how amazing was the season, right? The oh, yeah. It was just so good. And it's like you're watching people like – Patrick Mahomes and you're watching, you know, the next generation and history being made and all that kind of stuff. So anybody who loves football, this was a season. It was just, you know, it's the ultimate reality show. Yeah, exactly. And it was just like, you you just, every week it just got better and better and you you were kind of eating up the Mm storylines and, um, um, I also think part of it, the, you know, the businesses involved, the league and people who make consumer products like jerseys and, um advertisements, things like that, I, I think people also are starting to groups are starting to understand the depth of the passion of a female football fan and what they're looking for mm-hmm. um, and they have you know marketed some of the game to them in ways that we hadn't seen before. and then you know, you add in Katie towers as the first female coach coaching in a Super Bowl, and she'd only been in the league a few years, like you know when i when I saw that, I don't know if your listeners. Most people probably saw that Microsoft ad that yes. she did, yeah. and I, it kind of just stopped me in my tracks in my kitchen because I thought that's a very traditional ad. It's a person promoting a product, but that we wouldn't have seen that probably even two seasons ago. Yeah. And it was just so amazing. And I actually texted my daughters and said, like, "You have to watch this. This is so cool." Um, so I think that's part of it too. Is that. Uh, that whole that whole storyline is kind of unfolding with women in different parts of the game and I think is really appealing to people.
0: Well, when you mentioned the marketing, I had Erin Andrews on last season and she started her clothing line, Wear by Erin Andrews, which was to sort of break the molds of the pink and the oversized logos and all of that to sort of market NFL clothing to women in a different way that made it seem sort of socially acceptable, that you could go out and, and yeah. wear a t-shirt under a blazer or under a jacket and look cool whatever day it is. It doesn't have to be game day in that sense.
1: Yeah, and just make it really fun. Yeah, too, right.
0: Totally. So just a couple weeks ago, you were in, in Indianapolis at the Combine participating in the Women's Careers in Football Forum. This was the fourth one. What was sort of the genesis behind that?
1: Oh, it's actually a great story. So after anybody who's listening is done listening to you today, they should Google if they don't know about um, sam Rappaport, samantha Rappaport, she goes
0: by sam so good news we're having her on NFL.
1: oh good oh good good so she'll tell this she probably has a little different version of the story but i'll tell you (laughs) my version Uh, (laughs) um so she is really responsible when we see when we see a story like katie Sowers on at the coaching the super bowl that all leads directly back to i believe to like, it was like one person's dream of a mm-hmm. you know a great idea and then it becomes reality and we're kind of watching as i said this the story unfold so it was probably like six or seven years ago maybe um <laughs> ronda and i were tasked with running a middle school flag football game at our church and wow. he said, i don't know how, i don't know how to run a flag football game for all these middle schoolers <laughs> um he said by the way this is not what i do in my day job i was yeah, gonna little, say baby, that is that is, is quite the side gig right there <laughs> yeah so he said i'm gonna call sam and sam's gonna come that was all i knew and sam had been a professional quarterback Uh well who comes running out onto the field my daughters were playing too they were in like fifth or sixth grade and like there were about five girls and about 35 boys and the eyes everybody was eyes like saucers because Sam comes bounding out with the game ball with a ponytail. It was like mind blown. So she had been a professional in a professional women's tackle league mm-hmm. and had played quarterback. She's an incredible athlete. And she was working in youth football and Roger had known her cause she had interned at the NFL years before. Anyhow, great person, great personality, very smart. And so fast forward after two seasons of these flag football tournaments for our <laughs> church, he said, Sam, you know, what's what's your dream? And she said, my dream is actually to take your job to be the first mm-hmm. female commissioner. Okay. And he said, so what, what about in between? You need to step in between. And she said, I would like to create, I mean, now it's called this kind of fancy name, Women's Careers in Football Forum, mm-hmm. but I call it the pipeline because that's what she said. She said, I would like to create a pipeline. I know all these women in football who are very, very smart, great football minds who have played the game, coached the game, all different levels and places and ways, but there's nowhere for them to go any further, right? They run into a roadblock because an NFL coach isn't going to consider a woman, This is remember seven years ago and she said i just don't think that makes sense because i think there is a wider uh, pool applicant pool that you could pull from and people who have really interesting perspectives and skills and roger said i'm in so he introduced her to troy vincent who's a former player and directs football operations Mm -hmm. in the nfl um diversity has always been super important to troy uh, his whole life, and so the two of them were, like, off and running, and they created this program where now, once a year, they bring together women of different ages. I was actually really surprised. there. I was chatting with a woman who's a sophomore in college who runs her college football men's football team. Wow, so that and young. And there was a woman who – yeah, and the, but then there were women who had been – coaching at, like, high school levels Mm -hmm. and sometimes junior college levels who are well into their 30s, almost 40, um, who had been in a different part of the game for years and really would love to break in, too. So, and their experiences are just so vastly different. It it was fascinating. So they bring together this group of women, and Sam and Troy went out and found, you know, uh, as they say, the grace of the game who said, yes, I I want a, a, a diversity of voices. I'm willing to try this. So, Ron Rivera is like the first person who comes to mind, who's now mm-hmm. the coach of the Redskins as of this year, who said, I would love to try this. I would love to meet these people and see if anybody is a fit. I'm not going to hire somebody who's not going to help us win because that's, you know, as oh, you know, the, the, the NFL. Yeah. That doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. If you can help them win, you're in. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he uh, and a bunch of others um, were willing to give it a shot. And now, four years later, I mean, within the first three years, uh, the program created 89 opportunities for women that were not there before. That's
0: incredible.
1: So Ron actually, interestingly enough, just hired um, Jennifer King to the Redskins, and she'll be the first African American full-time coach in the league, in the NFL. So, um, and he met her at the forum a couple years ago. Yeah. So she said, "I went with goal. I went with the goal to meet this guy, Ron Rivera, because she was coaching. Jen's a great example. She was coaching a women's basketball team at a small college in Charlotte." She would walk by his practice facility and listen to him and kind of peek through the fence and said, "I, you know, football was a passion. She couldn't really work in it. And she said, I just came with the goal of meeting this guy. And they met. And he said, well, come over sometime. <laughs> and we'll see. And ultimately, you know, this is where they're ending up just a few years later, a really short timeline. So I give Sam a ton of credit for this. It's just her passion. And it was very, very cool experience for me just kind of watch those interactions happen. Um, you know, and once when somebody like Ron sets the standard, Bruce Arians at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have mm-hmm. two female coaches now, then I think other people get more comfortable with it, and we're going to see, you know, more and more jobs opening up.
0: That's such a cool story. Overall, how does inclusion of bringing more women into football professionally at all levels benefit clubs and the league overall as well?
1: Well, I think... Um, you know, it kind of goes back to the coaches will tell you this. Um, and, you know, I should point out, too, the pipeline also can't just start at the NFL. It has to start a little earlier. So, like, mm-hmm. Dartmouth College, Buddy Stevens is the head coach there. Jen King worked for him before she went to work for the Redskins. Um, you know, he's somebody who very clearly says, i would love to hear other people's um, perspectives and have – people who haven't necessarily come through a traditional pipeline. So like Jen King was a police officer for four years. That's crazy, yeah. She's just done different jobs and always had this passion for football, very smart football mind. I love to have that, you know. Um, So I think, you know, at the end of the day, they all want to win and they are thrilled if that means they're bringing on somebody who can help them win. There's this great video that went viral too, just, um, You know, about, like, the acceptance of this concept. Mm -hmm. Um, When Coach Tevens at Dartmouth, Callie Bronson had been the first D1 coach, and she was there on a temporary kind of, like, internship for a season. And when he went to announce to his team this room, this, like, classroom full of these big college guys, that Callie was staying, it was a surprise to them that she was going to be coming on full time. They went like they erupted in this like raucous cheering awesome. and pounding on tables. They were so happy because she connected with them, you know, on, on football and they didn't think of her as a female coach. They thought yeah. of her as a coach and they were so happy to be able to keep her. So that was just so I thought that was really spontaneous and it was just a beautiful way to say you know as the women who are doing this now will tell you once they get over the fact that I'm a, a woman in the room it you know takes them a little while and then once they're over that and they just see me as a coach you know we fly from there
0: yeah A 100% so getting to other jobs you yourself you've worked as a reporter and anchor covering news and politics you said that you would have loved to have been a sports reporter but there just weren't a lot of other women doing it at that time. So now, what is it like to see representation across all networks and platforms?
1: Well, it's so cool. Like I was saying, I'm so know. Like, <laughs> such a big supporter of you, you, what your colleagues do. I should be really wildly jealous and envious, but I'm just so happy for all of you. Um, and what, like, what you get to do is, you know, you get to talk about football with players and coaches and be on the field and be on the sidelines and really talk about the game. But you mm-hmm. also then will talk about changes to the game and the future of the game in terms of women and different ways that it's evolving, which I think you kind of get to do, you know, have your um, figures in all different parts of the game, which is really, really fun. When I was entering you know, kind of work life. There were definitely brave people who had done it. Uh, you know, I think of like the Christine Brennans of the world and um, who, you know, kind of broke barriers for uh, women in sports. They were super brave. I was not as brave, so I ended up going <laughs> into news, which I loved and I did for 20 years. Yeah. But I always secretly really wanted to be in sports. I loved it. And it was funny, this past season, I was getting off an elevator, um, sometimes it blends together, but I think I was at Lambeau Field. and. I was by myself, so I didn't have anybody to say this to, but I should have taken a photo because okay. it, it was just such a great little moment that as you get off the elevator, the landing to go to my seat, was there were four television screens for fans, and it was pregame. It was just before kickoff, and all four had women doing pregame coverage.
0: It's incredible. And I thought,
1: yeah, I just it, that wasn't a sight that I would have even expected even today, and I just thought it was pretty neat that it wasn't, a woman was just doing a feature piece or something like that. It was really truly game day coverage um, right before everything got started, which that was, to me, that felt, it was a very small moment, but it felt really significant and it's fun to
0: see. That's so special. So speaking of special, A Lifetime of Sundays, Susie Spanos told me she was so touched by this film. I've seen it. I have to agree with her. And if you haven't, if anyone's listening and hasn't, check it out. It is incredible. What was it like to share those women's stories?
1: Yeah, Susie's been a huge supporter of it. Um,
0: yes, yeah, so a lifetime of Sundays is my <laughs>
1: my baby, You're it's my baby, yeah. project. <laughs> so it started a couple of years ago when I was watching. As I mentioned, I grew up in Chicago. Walter Payton was my guy, mm-hmm. and I was watching a um, an NFL Network does a series called A Football Life, which is like an hour long documentary. I was watching one on Walter Payton, and I thought. I wonder if they've ever done one on a woman. And I, they would have to do it on Virginia McCaskey, right? Because her father is George Hallis. He started the league in 1920. She has the most pristine memory. I mean, she's now 97. At this time, she, time I was considering this, she was 95. Uh-huh. I've never heard – I've never met anyone like her should, with the way she can recall things from, you know, the game last week to her first game in the late 1920s. It's, it's remarkable. And so I (laughs) pitched it to NFL Films, and they said we would love to do something on, you know, I wanted to do kind of four different pieces, Mm -hmm. Mrs. McCaskey, Mrs. Ford, Mrs. Rooney with the Steelers, and Mrs. Hunt with the Chiefs, because they've all lived the history of the league, but they all have different perspectives from the cities and the teams they've been with. And they said, sure. You know, did she say yes? Virginia said yes. And you're like, hang on. Well, no, I just haven't (laughs) asked her yet. And they said, okay, you get back to us so it turns out she'd been asked you know a hundred times over the years including by members of her own family and she said no um I went down all four the whole list and all four of them said no and one of them said to me well that would be braggy b-r-a-g-g-y it was a word I hadn't really heard before I would be (laughs) braggy I would not want to be braggy and so it just it just became so apparent that there was a the divide there, right? A genera- generational divide, really, that I like to say they come from the generation of we, which is about team and family and Very community. Very humble. Yeah, totally. Humility is huge. And then we are living in this generation of me where, y- you know, you talk about yourself, you're supposed to almost. Mm-hmm. It's almost an obligation to talk about, especially as a woman, to talk about your accomplishments and, you know, people are taking selfies and, you know, it's just a different world. Yep. So it um it took a very long time to convince them. That was actually the hardest part of making a film with the four of them, was just getting them comfortable with the idea of talking about themselves. But once we did, it was crazy. They, they The stories they tell... Are they just the way they tell the history of football is, is a little bit different, and they kind of uncover these stories that people hadn't heard before. Um, so it, I'm the most privileged person that I even got to make it because I got to sit there and just you know soak it like, in, soak up all this football history from these women who are so funny and smart and just like they they're so passionate about the game, um, and they they really live. I, yeah, you know, I don't want to like ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but you'd be, you'll be surprised. They live yeah. lives that you may not expect. Of you know, we we think we know what a sports team owner is in this country, and I think people are just when they see um, kind of the way what's important to them and the way they live their lives. So um, it's been a blast. It's you know, it premiered really in last August, and it still has a life today. Like it just aired again on Sunday for yeah. International Women's Day. And, you know, it's And Mrs. Hunt is in it. And she, her storyline is she's the only woman to have been to all now 54 Super Bowls. And she won this year. She had a so good a one. Whole profile on her. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's just been, it was just the most special thing to do. And I just think. A little bit unexpected when I tell people, Oh, I'm making this movie about o- older women and uh, professional football. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> Oh, that's a niche market. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it has so much football in it. Um, and it also is just a story, really kind of a beautiful story about community and families. And, and also, really, I think why we love the game. It kind of explains that.
0: Absolutely. What was your favorite part besides maybe, like you said, being able just to learn all these stories that these women had?
1: Yeah, it was, um, I think, you know, selfishly for me, like, what I learned from it was just spending time with people who have lived those lives, like, very Mm -hmm. well-lived lives, and they have such incredible perspectives on what's important. Um, So I think my favorite part, I have two favorite parts. Like, one was that takeaway, I think for all of us, for me in particular, like, you know, like, you got to have a sense of humor, first of all. They have lived through, you know, so much in terms of, you know, some of them have, you know, Running a family business is not easy, Um, and they've just gone, you know, they've lived through so much history, Um, and the way they come out so strong and resilient and super positive and grateful for their lives, I mean, that was just, they they feel so fortunate, and they take every opportunity to say that, how lucky we are. Um, But my other really favorite part, which is the unexpected consequence, I think, of making this movie was, so we um, aired it for... uh, The the first time it really aired was a year ago this month at the NFL annual meeting. We had about 800 people in the room, coaches, their spouses and families, owners of teams, um, broadcasters, you name it, general Mm -hmm. managers, some players, big, big, fun football crowd. And... Afterwards, And it was really funny. So a lot of big men crying in the room, by the way. That's awesome. (laughs) The Andy Reeds and Roger Goodell's of the world were like in tears. It was really interesting to see. (laughs) But um, when we left, Pat Rooney from the Steelers, who's one of my four women, Mm -hmm. and it came up to me. And in the nicest possible way, because she is the nicest possible person on the planet, said, wow, Jane, something really interesting is happening tonight after the movie and I said what's that and she said this is something crazy like her 59th annual meeting you know she's she married Dan Rooney <laughs> she's, when she was she's, 19, been so she's been here a time or two that, well, for a long time yeah she's 87 and she said people are coming up to me tonight to talk to me for me not because they want to talk about my husband or my father-in-law or Rooney because they really just want to hear my story so I think that's pretty neat And I thought, holy cow, I didn't know what to say because I just didn't expect that. But just to see at that age, you know, really kind of the four of them being able to embrace the contributions that they've made, um, I thought that was pretty powerful and um, a a very cool experience.
0: That is so powerful. That is so special. And just lastly, Jane, to kind of tie this all together, why do you think football has become such a fabric of our society?
1: Well, you, you know, Pat Rooney actually in the movie at the end of the film says it best, and I'm probably not going to do justice to the way she said it says it, but it always actually makes me cry a little bit. And she says to take a, a team, to have the privilege of having a team and to represent a community and its fans and its people is an honor. It just hits us in a place where we share. You know, it's such a passionate place, I think, to watch a game. or watching these incredible world-class athletes every week do mm-hmm. things that you just boggles the mind. And also, um, you share that, right, through generations. So, you know, my mom is actually the biggest Chicago Bears fan <laughs> of our family, and she is arguing when the – the bears are playing the Vikings with my daughter right <laughs> because my daughter's a Vikings fan like it's very sweet like just to see how that um, how that bonds families together yeah. and communities together so it's it's really unusual I think in
0: American life. Thank you so much for joining me today Jane I so appreciate it this has been such an awesome conversation oh it's so fun to be here thank you so much for all that you're doing and I hope I get to see you soon And that's a wrap on this episode of Playmakers. So many thanks to Jane Skinner Goodell for joining me. And as I said up top, keep it tuned to Playmakers all month long for more special guests highlighting women in sports as well as our full network of podcasts since free agency and the draft are quickly approaching.